The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. Hey, is there is there anything worse than a mixed message? Okay. Uh, let me tell you about when I, perhaps when I first came into understanding mixed messages. Okay, and it was for me, the, the, for me it was the fourth grade. And there was this, this girl named Carrie Singhose. My first, kind of my, my, I don't know what I would call her really, okay? But we're going back to the mid 80s. Yes, back in 96, the R still had a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Carrie Singhose was this girl. I mean, both of her front teeth had grown in. She had two <laughs> big blonde pigtails that, you know, I was, I was pretty, you know, I mean, she, she was pretty cute. So one day before recess in the fourth grade, I get a note that says, that looks a little something like this. Only instead of it saying, do you like me? It says, will you go out with me? Okay. So I was like, I, I, you know, um, so not really sure what to do. Uh, you know, I was still kind of scared of girls and I kind of had a crush on Teresa Torres, but I checked maybe, okay? So I sent it back, okay? And guys, I was in the fourth grade for crying out loud, okay? So we go out to recess and, and it, or, you know, will you go out with me? And, and, and so finally, then she asked me, do you like me? And I said, well, yeah, I like you. And she's like, well, I like you too. Well, let's go out. So I'm like, okay, let's go out. So then we awkwardly went back to fourth grade and, I'm like, and people are like, are you and Carrie Singhose going out? And I'm like, yeah, we're going out. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so the next day, of course, comes and, and we're at recess and, and uh, Carrie kind of goes to hold my hand but I, I retract, okay? And, but here's the thing, not, I, I mean, I was still mildly scared of Carrie, but I was terrified of the ground duty. You know who the ground duty is? Those, those women that walk around the, the playground like this. Okay? And you got put in timeout if you held hands, if there was any PDA on the playground, right? So I was a little bit scared of the ground duty, and so I didn't hold Carrie's hand. Well, she didn't like that. And so right at the threshold of Mrs. Fish fourth grade door, she broke up with me right before we went into class. Okay, 24 hours after we first started going out, though we never actually went anyplace. Okay, fourth grade relationships, right? A bit of a mixed message. Will you go out with me? Well, Yes, no, maybe. I don't know. If we go out, where are we going? You say you like me, but then you break up with me. You know, you, um, she wants to hold my hand, but I don't want to hold hers. Mixed message, right? Mixed messages are, are just difficult to deal with. Okay, you guys know what we're talking about here. You, you know what it's like to encounter mixed messages, perhaps in a lot more substantial ways than just fourth grade relationships. You know, there are, there are, perhaps you are one of these people who sends those types of messages, especially this time of year. There is the overeager mixed messenger. You know, the person that this time of year, they put their list to sign up for absolutely everything. But then when it comes to time to commit to it or show up, you don't show up. And then there is the, then there is the, the silent treatment. 
You know, the, the one who, who just doesn't respond to anything. You know, you, you make a date for, uh, you make a, a plans to meet for coffee. And then you text them to confirm, hey, are we still meeting for coffee? And you don't hear anything, so you assume they're off. But then later on, you see them, and they're like, hey, I went to our coffee date. And they're like, well, I texted you, and you never said anything back, okay? The mixed message by silence, okay? The silent treatment, okay? So m- many of us have either done that or experienced it. And then, of course, there's the, there's the play it by ear. I once had a friend that you would invite this friend to anything, and, and they would respond genuinely with, oh, that sounds great. I'm totally in, but let's play it by ear, which was just code for, uh, give me a call when we're actually going to do it, and then if I feel like it, I will show up, okay? That sounds great. Let's play it by ear. Mixed message. Mixed message. Uh, perhaps some of you guys even experienced this here, right? You come in, Taco Tuesday in, there's a lot of people to meet, and you get your taco, your mind, and your own business here at one of the stand-up tables, and then that person comes over, okay? You were just minding your own business at the taco table, but then they bring their Tuesday taco, and they pursue you. You actually have a nice conversation. But then after the end, they kind of ignore you, and you go to your friends, and you're like, wait a minute, I was at that table minding my own business. Like, they seemed kind of into me, but then they ignored me the rest of the night. What's up with that? (laughs) Okay, Taco Tuesday drama, right? (laughs) Mixed message. Mixed messages are tough to deal with. In fact, when you hear business people uh, talk about management and leadership, often w- w- one of the things that they say is one of the quickest ways to kill the effectiveness or productivity of a team in uh, a corporation, or perhaps you even experience this in group projects in class, is to send mixed messages. Perhaps you have had a taste of how frustrating it is if a professor gives you assignment and the expectations of it are rather unclear. Mixed messages. Well, the text that we come to tonight wants to get through any mixed messages and make one message abundantly clear and simple. And that message is this. Jesus Christ is God's yes to you. Jesus Christ is God's yes to you. While there are plenty of questions that remain unanswered, while there are experiences that one may have in relationship to Jesus, what Paul wants his friends and acquaintances reading this letter to know, and I think what he wants us to know, is that there is something that transcends mixed messages. And it's God's message to us in Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to look at tonight. Let me pray for us as we get started. God, help us to see past the mixed messages, the so many of them that we get in our lives, that we might hear you clearly, that we might experience your spirit afresh as we come to your word tonight. Speak to us, uh, we ask, and we do so in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, uh, tonight we're going to continue our look at 2 Corinthians that we started last week. And as we get started on this text, there's really one thing I want you to know, that the guy writing this letter was a bit of a busybody. Okay, his ambition was really to travel all over the Mediterranean world and tell people about Jesus and do so in relationship and really speak into their situation And as we talked a little bit about last night, he had talked with this group in this town called Corinth earlier, and he had promised to come back. Uh, We don't know how many times. 
Uh, but several times he said, hey, I'm going to return to you and I'm going to tell you more about Jesus and I'm going to clarify some of the things that seem to be troubling you and, and are confusing about who Jesus is. Well, this community is frustrated because Paul, in some ways, has sent mixed messages to them about when he would return and there's a misunderstanding about what, in fact, he's saying. And so Paul writes this in response to say, yes, I want to come to you. I want to visit you. But there is one thing in the midst of all of these changed itineraries and chaos that I want you to get. And I think we come to that in our text tonight. Let's see if you can catch it. We're going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at the 18th verse. And it says this. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in him, Jesus Christ, it has always been yes. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to give glory to God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Okay, this is an awesome, awesome passage of scripture. If you don't have something that you're reading the rest of the week, in the Bible, why don't you just read this every day until it begins to sink in? Because this is really, really good news. No mixed messages here. Jesus Christ, the one preached among you, is and has always been God's yes to you. Jesus Christ is God's yes to you. Let's take a, a look at what, at what this might mean as we seek to, to grasp it a little bit better. All right, the first thing we want to highlight, there is a yes to all the promises God has made in the Bible to his people. No matter how many promises have been made, the answer is yes. To the degree that there were promises made throughout the Old Testament, promises for provision, for deliverance, for the forgiveness of sins, for salvation, that people are still, that we're sometimes still wondering about what Paul is trying to say here is to the degree that you're going, are those promises true? The answer to those promises is yes. And the proof that he gives for it is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, one who would go to the cross, who would die and be raised again. That is the proof that God's promises are yes. The way he says, I will deliver on all my promises completely, totally, and fully before you do anything to earn it. God's promises are true before you, the Corinthians, and us, the Seattleites, do anything to prove it. The second yes is this. The second yes is the yes that we say when we say amen. Okay, this is, I think this is pretty cool. Uh, perhaps a lot of you don't realize that, it, that even as I just prayed for us and prayed that Jesus would illuminate this time for us and we finished by saying amen, amen is really just the Hebrew way of saying yes. And within it, there's, it is saying, I agree. 
So when you say amen, you are saying yes. You are saying, yes, I believe in God's heart and desire to enter in to deliver on his promises for whatever is, you know, for example, when we pray for someone. When you pray for that, that person in your house that is struggling with an eating disorder and you are praying for them and you say, in Jesus' name, amen. You are saying, yes, I agree that God wants to heal that person. When you are praying for discernment, when you're praying for a path that, that God might put you on in your life and you pray and you pray in Jesus' name, amen, you are saying, I believe that God has something for me. I agree with that, yes. It is, it is part of this, this mysterious process that we go through where we are aligning our yes to God's yes in us. That's what we're doing when we say amen. Isn't that cool? We're saying, I agree that God wants to and can do something about it. Our response to God's yes is to say amen or to say yes. The best example of this takes us way past fourth grade dating to that person who, who takes a knee in front of another person and says, will you marry me? In that circumstance, maybe is a totally inadequate answer. Okay, that is not the message that you were looking for, right? Well, there are maybe some times when maybe is okay, that ain't one of them, right? When somebody is proposing, they are, they, in what they are doing, they are saying, I have said yes to you. Before you've said yes to me, I have said yes to you. And in that moment, they're looking for a yes back. Friends, this so parallels what is happening in the text that we're having right here. God and Jesus Christ had said yes to you and you and you and you and everyone in this room. And the amen is our invitation to say yes back to God. Thirdly is this. And it's in this last verse. This one can be a little bit, uh, can sound a little bit confusing because of the verbiage, but I think the idea is really, really cool. It says, he anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. This one, um, and, and so here's what I want to point out here. Okay, this word anoint, that can be the word that throws us off. What does it actually mean, okay? Jesus was anointed as the Messiah, okay? And to be anointed, Jesus is anointed as this Messiah, this prophet, priest, and king that would come before God on behalf of the people. Well, an idea that's really important for you to grasp as, as you read through the New Testament is this, that anything that happens to Jesus also becomes true for us. So when Paul is saying, he, he is assuming that you know that Jesus is the anointed one, but then he says, he anointed us, each of you. Yes to you. The theologian uh, Martin Luther says that, that we are all, because of our anointing, we all become like little Christ that we participate in the work of Christ, that we inherit the righteousness of Christ, the worthiness of Christ. 
See, so by virtue of the fact that Jesus is anointed and now we are anointed as well, what is true for Jesus is true for us. True for one who would die and be raised from the dead. What is true for us is that we would also die and be raised from the dead. And because of the work of the spirit that's mentioned here, the invitation is that we also get to participate in the work of that same spirit right now. Pretty cool, huh? That as Jesus is anointed, so we are anointed as well. All right. Paul's point in bringing all this to the fore is to eliminate any mixed messages whatsoever in the people understanding who they are. He wants this group, this group of people in this town called Corinth to know that you are the ones God has said yes to. Jesus Christ is God's yes to you. Jesus is God's yes to you. In light of that, there's a few things that I want you to remember, to think about as you leave this place tonight. The first is this, that in our ambivalence, in your maybe to God and to Jesus, you need to know that God is not ambivalent or divided, or maybe about you. I see this over and over as I meet with students, and certainly I've experienced it in my own relationship with Jesus, is that there are those times when when I'm just feeling kind of, meh, whatever, you know, degaff, whatever you guys use, (laughs) you know, that I can tend to think that that's how God feels about me when actually that's just the way how I feel about most things, okay? You need to know that when you feel ambivalent, God does not feel ambivalent about you. When Jesus is God's yes to you, it transcends how you feel about it. The most fundamental truth of the gospel is this. Jesus loves me. You guys have heard the the, the song sung in various different ways. It's one of the most fundamental and wonderful truths that that there is in all of truth. And too often we are tempted to hear that and go, meh, whatever. Jesus loves me. You guys, Jesus loves you. And it doesn't matter how you feel about it. Jesus loves you. The second is this. When God says yes to you, and when we say yes back to God, it means that things are gonna change. They're not just going to be the way that they always were. Okay, I told you about fourth grade dating. Now let me tell you about college dating. Okay, bust out the notepads and get ready because I'm gonna give you guys some tips. All right. So my roommate in college developed this thing called the rejection theory, okay? And it worked like this, that we lived in a fraternity and, and there's often, you know, date nights and socials that come up and it feels like you're constantly looking for a date, right? Well, the, the rejection theory, which I contributed to and largely experimented with, um, was simply this. It, it was you, you picked a number, 
okay? Five was often a number that I, that, that I would pick. And the goal was to get five rejections before somebody actually accepted, you know, your invitation to go on a date with you, okay? And you guys are probably going, oh, that's probably pretty easy for you, church. And yeah, it, it was, okay? <laughs> but the goal, the idea was it got you to kind of go for that person that might be a little bit out of your league. Like, you know, push yourself a little bit. Well, you know, inevitably, you know, as, as this was going on before dates, you know, Alan and I would come back and, hey, I got my third rejection today. You know, get fired up in the, <laughs> in the lunchroom or whatever. But then the next day, you know, one of us had come back and I'm like, oh no, oh no, why so downcast? He's like, I got my third one, but then the fourth one said yes. And I'm like, oh dude, that sucks. <laughs> you know, and we would just have this, have this thing. But here's, here's what happened is that, is that instead of just kind of the same old, oh, yep, got rejected again. When, there, when someone said yes, that meant that, that the planning began where you need to, to plan, a, you know, an actual date that's gonna help you engage with this person and get to know them a little bit better and, and, and go and experience something a little bit different, right? That when somebody actually says yes, we couldn't just do what we always did. When we respond to God's yes with our yes, plan on things being a little bit different, Plan on doing that which is going to engage you in a new or different type of relationship to God. And God can't wait for that. God has said yes to you. And when we say yes back, plan on it, beginning to change things a little bit. And man, it can be quite a journey as that happens. Well, in dating, in an example like that, there is always the question of what happens when the person then breaks up with me. When that date is over, maybe we even go on several dates and then they don't want to go again. Well, here's the thing about God's yes. And we saw it in the passage that we read tonight. It has and has always been and always will be yes. It will always be yes. A little of my story. Uh, I am one who grew up growing to church grew up growing to church. I grew up going to church. Let me try that again. And as I kind of journeyed through high school and got into my senior year, there was a lot of me that, that had kind of have, had lost interest in pursuing God. I, wasn't, I, I, I still wasn't sure what I thought about all, all this religious stuff, all this, all this Jesus stuff. Uh, but it was, it was round about uh, my sophomore year you know, as I had been coming to the inn, I'd been hanging out with uh, different people and I had enjoyed the freedoms that many, uh, many freshmen and sophomores often enjoy when they get away from home for the first time. Uh, what I like to call, student leaders say it with me, garden variety fraternal hedonism. Okay, use your imagination on that. That's kind of what I engaged in through that, that freshman and the, through the middle of my sophomore year. But, but through listening to things here, through talking with friends, there was a moment where I said, you know, if I'm going to say yes to this, if I'm going to say that I believe it, then something I think might change. But is it true? Can it be counted on? If I say yes, will it be yanked out from under me at some point? 
Well, the passage that helped me connect the dots on this was another passage from Paul. It's in Romans chapter eight. And it says this, that for I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. You see, there was something in this assertion that there is nothing. There is nothing in all of creation that can separate us from God's love. My sin can't, my past can't, my own ambivalence can't, my unanswered questions can't. You see, while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me and there was nothing that I could do to change that. That touched off a dynamic journey of knowing Jesus that frankly, I'm still on a journey of discovering the reality and joy of that yes and seeking to respond to my own yes. Seeking to be somebody who really knows what it means to live as somebody whose identity is covered in this reality that in Jesus Christ, God has said yes to me. Friends, when it comes to you, There's no way that God is going to check anything but yes on that note that says, do you like me? Jesus Christ is God's yes to you and God loves you. Jesus loves you. Friends, Jesus loves you. Jesus is God's yes to you. It's who you are. And there's absolutely nothing you or anything else or anybody else can do to change that. Jesus loves you. Let's pray. God, thank you that your yes is absolutely permanent, that it cannot be taken away, and that you make good on that promise. Earnestly, God, I pray that by your spirit, you would help us to say amen, to respond to your yes to us with our yes to you. Lord, help us to know you more. Help us to know the reality of this promise and how it can play out for us, not just on Tuesday, not just on Sunday, but every single day of our lives. God, we love you. Now be enthroned on the praises of our people as we worship and rejoice and get to know each other as a community and all God's people together said, amen.